Ungefragt. Hello everyone, this is Marta. And this is Anna. And this is You've Got Five Options show without our intro, so we got like shocked. <laughs> Hello, Dennis. Hello. <laughs> so we have a new technician, Dennis, and I, I think that uh, we, we didn't really uh, remind you that we have to also have our intro, but you know now that you are listening to... Dennis, can you please help us with your uh, wonderful Danish? Hi. Ungdoms. Thank you very much. So, uh, yes, hello. This is You've Got Five Options, Marta and Anna. Yes, and we have a special guest today with us yes. uh, at the studio. Yes, we do. Hello, I'm, I'm the special guest, I guess. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, we have a special guest and we will interview our special guest in a spirit of our new season. We are starting from today a new season in You've Got Five Options Radio, which is called Coming Back to the Roots. How does it sound? Sounds like very deep. Very deep because of the roots, right? Yeah. What do you think, Jesse? How does it sound? It sounds very deep, but at the same time, it reminds me that you create roots wherever you go. Um, I can I can explain this further in the show with okay. uh, something very interesting I experienced in Israel. Okay, okay, we will get back to that. Uh, but guys, okay, so what can you expect from the new season? We have never, Marta, we have never really made a division per seasons, but we have discovered that somehow um, our shows are divided into two different eras, right? Yeah, we had the first era that was about solving challenges. And that was the first few months of You've Got Five Options. We were all the time solving challenges that we have received from our listeners just by email or message or something like that. And we were solving those challenges by providing two different options. Five. Five. <laughs> five different five. options. And, uh, but only two options were the right ones. Now Marta just sold the whole concept. <laughs> you know, the five is kind of too upside down. So it was just... Uh, Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the second uh, season, we could call it like that or era was about interviews. So then we really got into interviewing people and we've had a lot of people joining us here at the studio and we have learned a lot. Uh, from many different guests that we've had. Mm-hmm. And now we are inspired to have another new era. Yes, exactly. And that will be our third season. And as I said, it will be coming back to roots. So, uh, guys, just to make it clear, we did not stop with solving life challenges. But I think while we switched into this second season, as now we can call it, and started to invite guests, we stopped receiving challenges. We started receiving a lot of requests from people to actually come and uh, join our show. Uh, But... Guys, we are still solving life challenges. Actually, we kind of miss it a little bit now. Yeah, we do. So if you are sitting there with a challenge, something either personal or maybe at work, maybe relationship related, and you would like to receive five, not two, but five five options from us, we are very ready. Very ready to do it again. And the... Wow, Dennis, what is that? Did you want it to like show us the five? I touched nothing. You touched nothing. <laughs> Very spooky and mysterious. But you can, not, this is a proof that we are live on air, right? Definitely. Because if we would just like uh, record it, then we can cut it out. But no, you will have the mysterious one too. I just hope that nothing will blow up soon. Okay, perfect. So, and we also still have guests because Jesse is our guest here, but this season will focus on something different. So I think um, Marta and I, we were thinking about the world because we are such a great thinkers and philosophers. We are just humans who like to think about the future of the world and also why people are happy, what is our purpose. Uh, how can we uh, feel more joy in our lives, feel more fulfilled and so on. And one of the things that we have discussed is that we feel people are getting more and more disconnected from the nature and from some universal values. 
and everything gets very digitalized, very superficial. Although I don't know, now I think maybe it's just um, every generation thinks like this, could be, right? Every generation always complains about, you know, the new times. But uh, I think it's also about the amount of people we meet, we meet who are seeking for something, who are saying that they don't feel happy, something is missing, they don't see a point, right, Marta? I think this is uh, this is basically not only our own observation, and we could also see it in our challenges that were coming to us in the first season and uh, through the guests that were coming and talking about different things they were coming through, um, lack of purpose, what is happening, and then trying to find that thing. So in this season, we will talk about a lot of things that could be connected to this. This We will talk about uh, universal skills and values of humankind. We will uh, talk about topics like what is really important in a times of apocalypse, because that's actually one of uh, interesting topics that are making us feel about humanity as the whole. Marta also has her speciality, which is so I am very much when it comes to coming back to the roots, Anna is very much into those universal skills in case of apocalypse and so on. I am much more into coming back to yourself. How is it to come back to yourself? How is it to experience joy? How is it to align with your purpose and uh, this kind of thing? So I am more into coming back to the roots of yourself. So you have it covered from two sides, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, this show is definitely for people who are seeking for something more. This season is for those who feel a little bit lost and think that something is not really right, who feel like they get disconnected from other humans, from the nature, and would like to know what are the ways to rediscover that connection. Uh, and for any other people who are our great fans, we know that we have at least five great, amazing fans. So, uh, yes, and what kind of guests, Marta, we would like to have on the show? So we would like to have guests who are also interested in those topics. Mm -hmm. So if you are sitting there with some great ideas about what are those universal skills that humans need to have in order to survive in case of a change in the world, or how do you actually connect with nature? How do you connect with yourself? How do you connect with other humans? And uh, we actually have some list of topics already. So maybe we can publish the topics on our Facebook fan page and on our website. So actually, we would also be then looking for the guests who are interested in those specific topics. Definitely. So guys, uh, we are open to hear anything from the most bizarre to scientific to whatever uh, visions, uh, knowledge experiences you have. Um, and yeah, with that wonderful introduction to our new season, we will uh, soon introduce our guest. But before that, our guest will play a song, a song that is apparently about her. So you will hear it and then you will hear Jesse and the story of the song and the story of Jesse. One, two, three, four. Passion, they keep on 
So this is a song <laughs> for you, yes, and about you. It is okay. It is. I I have to say that uh, when because we only heard like a couple of seconds before we went on air before, it's a really good song. It's it's like a, I would say that this is like a, a hit probably in a country where the language is spoken. I would say very good song. It sounds <laughs> Thank nice. You. So uh, Jesse, tell us. Um, I don't know. Can you tell us who you are through this song? Yes, because actually, I only heard "Sex Bomb." That's all I heard. <laughs> and a Huragan, which is <laughs> and something about the bike. If I, if I'm, if it's yeah, yes, yes. okay. That's very uh, universal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, universal words. Well, uh, that's also the reason why I brought the song. It's because I think it says a lot about me. Um, the song is called Gensila, uh, just like my name. Gensila Arechi is my name. And I think it really represents me. It's made by a very dear friend and uh, all credits go to him. Uh, he's an artist in Albania where I come from. His name is Pierre Noshi. He has a very French name, Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> Just like artists, all artists have French names. Um, I, I care a lot about him. He's a really, really dear friend. And we had a lot of fun uh, doing songs together. Two of, of them I will play later, where I, were, I was also singing. But this one was uh, a surprise for me for my 19th uh, birthday. And the song is about uh, that period of my life, actually. He knew me very well, so he knew what I was doing at that period of my life. I was um, among the few people who were biking in Tirana. In Albania where uh, I was living so I was biking everywhere to school to work uh, I was studying IT back then so if you he heard algebra algebra uh, was something that was really <laughs> I was really struggling with so uh, I was talking to him about that and then I was go uh, I was working as a model uh, and that's why you heard sex bomb and <laughs> Uragan and stuff like that <laughs> So I was biking to the school, then I was biking to my work, uh, and then basically I had no time to do music stuff with, with him and fun stuff. So it was also a request for, from him to spend more time doing what I love, singing and, and, uh, and listening to music and hanging out with my friends. And he's okay. Do I sense a little crush from his side? <laughs> Maybe. It's, it's possible. Uh, the song is very personal, so mm -hmm. not everyone knew me very well. Um, but we were really, really good friends. So, so nothing more, of course. But uh, I, I remember it and, and I've 
played it sometimes just as a memory of him because now we don't spend that much time together. And mm -hmm. I thought, this is a really good song to introduce myself. This is exactly who I am, doing a lot of things at the same time. And sometimes I don't even understand why am I doing so many things and, <laughs> and what am I doing? So it's good to come back to the roots and find the purpose of, of what you're doing. But okay. uh, yes, I really, really want to thank him. I don't think he is listening to this show. This will be released as a podcast ah, as well. Good. So you can I will always send a link. I will, you <laughs> can always send him a link. And because I assume you would have his agreement to have a copyright to the song, we can we can keep it in a podcast, right? Yes, okay, I will. Perfect. I will ask for his agreement and I will send him the link. Uh, and perfect. I also send him very, very huge hugs and regards from from this show. And uh, again, as I mentioned before to you, this song has never been played before. So for this the public. is a premiere. So this is the premiere of uh, the Jen Sila song. Awesome. Yay. Awesome. <laughs> I, I have two thoughts. Number one, no one ever wrote a song about me. And oh my God, why? <laughs> this is really sad. The big only mistake. big mistake, although uh, I, my boyfriend sometimes sing a song for me, which is take a look at my girlfriend. She's the only one I got. And I don't know if I should take it as a compliment. <laughs> he just claims he likes the song. I don't think it's coincidental. And the second thing is that I actually have a quite an interesting image of you at that time. So we have uh, Janzilla, mm -hmm. aka Jessie, uh, riding her bike as one of the very few <laughs> in, in Tirana, studying her stuff, doing a lot of things. And then I'm trying to place you from that moment mm -hmm. to Denmark. So what happened? How did you arrive? here so at the time while I was doing many things uh, I was studying uh, computer science IT and I was feeling a bit stuck I was I I kind of liked the studies but I didn't like the system and how much corruption there was at the time in Tirana and my professors who were almost never coming to class and when they were coming to class they were um, making us buy their very expensive expensive books who they were writing and so I saw many problems with the system so I wasn't very happy and at the time I was also working uh, as a customer care service agent uh, in a call center so there I met a lot of colleagues and one of these colleagues told me that he had this experience in Denmark he actually couldn't stop talking about it he was okay. like Denmark when I was in Denmark this happened and that happened and I was the happiest guy ever and then I was just like shut up <laughs> please <laughs> let it let me leave my life and then um, he said you know what I thought I think that experience that I had would be really good for you. Uh, so you should give it a try. You should just apply. So what was the experience? It is a højskole. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard. It's a Danish word. So it's almost a boarding school. Dennis yes. Con Dennis confirms that it's a Danish <laughs> word. Yes. So it's a boarding school concept where mm -hmm. you basically go to learn about life generally. Um, it's, it's founded on... Grunlow, I think, this very old Danish guy who wanted to... Grundvig. Grundvig. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Grundlow <laughs> is uh, the, the main law of Denmark. Um, it's Grundvig. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so a very old philosopher who had this philosophy about being human as one of the most universal values. And uh, he created these schools as a representation and manifestation of his philosophy, mm. where people would get together and learn about life and different subjects too. Well, it has changed the concept. So now the high school where I attended is more international. I was learning about Danish culture, language, art, music, a painting, many other things. We had the adventure class where we were going skiing and other adventure stuff. So I considered it as a as a six month um, year or, or a gap year, actually. So I thought, okay, I will stop my studies, take a break for a year and then come back. And that's how I came to, to Denmark to have a one year high school experience. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, because you actually have just 
graduated mm-hmm. something something <laughs> yesterday yes mm-hmm. uh, and that's not the hoyskola no <laughs> hoyskola was very long time ago it was in 2014 okay uh, it does feel like a long time ago it, um, it only feels like it's not that that long <laughs> no i refuse to think that <laughs> Yeah. So that's when I graduated high school in mm-hmm. 2014. Uh, during high school, I had this life-changing experience because one, I realized I connected with myself through being there, knowing new people. I discovered, I found out that the world is much bigger than I thought. And mm-hmm. um, meeting people from all over the world, Danish people, Norwegian people. Um, Hungarian, Polish, everyone. There were many nationalities. Even uh, if even I've even heard very sad stories from Afghanistan or Israel. So it just opened my worldview um, and and my world understanding. And so, except for that, I also fell in love while I was in high school. In, in in UX design or in an actual person. <laughs> That's a good question. Mm-hmm. No, my love for UX design didn't start there. Okay. Uh, that was for an actual person. Ooh, la, <laughs> His name is Kent. Today he is my husband and okay. we live together in Aarhus, very close to this radio station, actually. Um, so two reasons to come back to Denmark. Um, first, I really like the country. I like the philosophy of living here. And then and you like the Kent. And yeah. I like the Kent. <laughs> yes, because otherwise that would be a sad marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So we would like to say a very special uh, thank you Kent for <laughs> being one of the reasons why uh, Genzilla is here and greetings to your husband. I guess he's listening. Yeah. He's at work right now, but he will be listening. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. When we release the link. Yeah. Um, So those two reasons brought me back, not immediately in 2014, but in 2015 Mm -hmm. in Denmark to study. Initially, I studied marketing management with a focus on digital marketing, where I realized that I was really interested in... You know, the messages that I th- I believe are the right ones to spread them. And that's what you do with marketing. You you spread messages, you spread your beliefs, you spread whatever you think is important. And of course, digital marketing is the most efficient way, let's say, to do it uh, in in this year and in, in back then when I was studying. But still, I thought that I was missing something. I was missing the more creative part, the part right before you spread the message, the part where you actually create the message. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to top top up my studies with uh, digital concept development, which is what I graduated yesterday. Congratulations! Thank you. It was a, it was a very special day, uh, and I had a lot of fun. Um, and so during that year and a half of these studies, I learned how to actually create solutions, digital solutions for for the world, digital experiences and how to create and curate these experiences so they are actually useful and usable for the people who will sit on the other end of the screen. Mm-hmm. So I'm the person behind the screen. <laughs> that sounds very uh, stalkerish in <laughs> some. I am stalking all of you. <laughs> of course, of course you are because you know so much about digital. Uh, but uh, that's a that's a great story, especially that part when you say that you wanted something more, that you wanted the mm. creative part. And uh, just before we will play your second song, mm-hmm. um, which is not now, but okay. but I'm just signaling, you know, I also have a computer and I'm behind the screen and I see the whole schedule for today. <laughs> um, there is uh, something I would like to ask you. Mm-hmm. Mm, and we were thinking about this, and actually I, I shared that with you. If you would have to explain to a five-year-old, but actually not a five-year-old, because five-year-olds these days are super smart, if you would have to explain to a 70-year-old what does the user experience designer actually do, 
what would you say? A very simple explanation for us little people. <laughs> that is one of the greatest challenges of every UX designer, user experience designer. I have my own podcast, as you know, mm -hmm. called Digital Nordic Creatives, where I interview design professionals. And I asked each and every one of them to explain me how they would explain their profession. And I think the one that stuck me the most was uh, the one from Stine. Uh, she's a user experience designer at Designit. And she said that uh, while she was interviewing a little child, and uh, often ch children have the same understanding as 70-year-olds, yeah. <laughs> um, is she, she said that the child said, I want to use the good computer, which is my mom's computer. Okay, but why is your mom's computer the good computer? Well, it's because it's so easy to use. Mm -hmm. And the mom's computer was a Mac, while the dad's computer was a PC. Not to say that Microsoft doesn't create good solutions, but a Mac is very child-friendly and, and elderly-friendly and everyone-friendly. It's, it's very easy to use. Mm -hmm. So at the core of user experience design is uh, easy to use. That's the key word that's... So basically that creation remember. of things that are easy to use. Yes. So okay. um, to a 70-year-old, I would ask them to... Uh, remind some of their experiences in their life and tell me those moments where they didn't have any frustrations or any where everything just went flawlessly and easily. So if they can give me that answer, then I can tell them that's what I do. I make, make sure that you have those flawless experiences just on screen. Okay, that sounds uh, convincing. Mm-hmm. Really convincing, <laughs> and it's not so mysterious and uh, I would say unknown anymore. Yeah. And can I, I also, yep. sorry for interrupting, sure. no, just no expand it a little bit more? Yeah, it's just like everyone that wants to talk about their profession, they can yep. talk all day, but just a little uh, last clarification user experience design is a branch of web design. Mm -hmm. But because web design, when it was created, a web designer could fulfill all the roles, um, just make a quick website and then make some mm -hmm. content and that's it, publish it. But a user experience designer just goes into the depth of very complex systems, mm -hmm. like um, the system that, I don't know, a nurse will use um, to register patients and to register hours and everything. So... So it's very much about the information structure, information architecture behind this very complex system. So, so it's not that, what to say, fluffy and beautiful one when you're doing the work, but the actual process is what fascinates me more, the process of creating, creating these solutions based on actual human research. Okay, so basically all those crappy websites when I cannot find <laughs> a navigation or uh, I don't know how to come back up, it's, uh, it's done by a very uh, unskillful user experience design. Yes. Now I know who to blame. Okay, <laughs> perfect. I hope that we will be able to incorporate as much as of your knowledge into the upcoming topics of our today's conversation, meaning mm -hmm. apocalypse. Uh, for the designer, meaning how would you use your skills in a times of apocalypse, right? Mm -hmm. So before we will get there, we will play the second song and you can actually just tell us, are you singing there? I am singing there, Perfect. yes. Perfect. Uh, the song is very slow, um, so it's not at all in the nature of the powerful song that we played in, in the okay. first part of the episode. Uh, it's a cover song mm -hmm. by, uh, so the song is October and April. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard it before. Some people might might uh, have heard it and might recognize it. It's just a cover, so it's not an original song that we wrote together. Uh, we were just feeling that we really liked the song and the melody and the feeling that it gives to people. Uh, I know that it's not October and it's not April, but... No. But uh, just 
try to enjoy the the vibe of the song. It's very slow and it just will maybe maybe give us the feeling that the apocalypse is coming because it's also a bit tragic. Wow. <laughs> okay, Dennis, hit it. So Janzila can sing on the top of everything. And this is a good news for you, Janzila, because now we will be talking about a designer in a time of apocalypse. And from a quick research I have done, apparently musical skills would be something of a high value. So if not your designer skills, <laughs> you will be able to use your musical talents because that's one of those things that apparently it's uh, very valuable in a critical times. But okay, girls and guys, everyone who is listening now we are going to the second part of the show and uh, at the very beginning I wanted to ask you girls what do you think or feel when you hear the word apocalypse it's not a tricky question mm -hmm. 
I feel like there is an angel on the horse coming to announce that the time has come and the guy with the bird in the in heaven he was a real one and now you all regret for all your sins that you have made yeah i i am also from poland <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i think that this is what they tell us uh, in a in a in a religion class or like a bible school i don't know how to call it but i think that's one of the first <laughs> things that come that comes to my mind what about you jesse i immediately think uh, I, I don't think about the process of how it will happen. I think, okay, what are we going to do now that it happened? Now but you the, have a feeling that something uh, negative or just life-changing? Very negative. Very, very negative. negative. Everything okay. is dark. Everything is destroyed. And now suddenly we have to build everything up again. Okay. So we have Bible to blame for that because... <laughs> Uh, apocalypse, the word apocalypse that actually comes from the ancient Greek, and I don't know any Greek, but I do have Googles, so I can <laughs> check those things, literally mean an uncovering. So it's a disclosure of knowledge or revelation. And in religious and occult concepts, it is usually disclosure of something hidden, a vision of heavenly secrets that can make sense of earthly re reality. So actually, it's some sort of a revelation, which... Uh, neutrally doesn't have to be negative and positive. However, because uh, some smart guys had a revelation and their revelation was extremely drastic and was talking about the final destruction of the world and that was also included in a Bible in a New Testament as a revelation. This is the vision that most of us have when we hear the word apocalypse. So basically related to that biblical catastrophe when you know all the bad guys will burn in hell and so on. The other meaning that we also are more and more accustomed to is, you know, because of all the catastrophic movies that I guess we were watching and that's always called the apocalypse right the apocalypse is coming so I would prefer for this time try to get a little bit neutral for the world and just imagine that this is some sort of a end of time scenario that can be the end of an era or the end of how we live uh, currently and we are going to some other level or there is a, some sort of a revelation or a new information coming. But yeah, we can also think about the end of the world. So I have actually three scenarios for you today to discuss. And the first scenario is uh, based on the idea that it's just the end of a special era. Apocalypse as yeah, we don't live the same as we used to. We are in a completely new reality. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the future. And you know, guys, I was thinking about that 15 years ago, when I was a bit younger, uh, I didn't have any of the things that I'm using right now on a daily basis, meaning internet, was uh, rather a luxury, uh, you know, especially when I was living in Poland, I got my first computer. Uh, there was not even a thing as a smartphone. You know, it's like we had those old mobiles a la Nokia or Alcatel. And uh, looking back in 15 years, what has happened is unbelievable. Of course, we cannot feel it so well because it, it, we are living in those times. But uh, I guess if we would be 15 years ago traveling to this current reality, we would be really shocked. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. If if uh, if you if we were just traveling straight from 15 uh -huh. years ago to today, without actually experiencing every development every day, it would be very shocking. So I guess that's why it's also very shocking to read about the predictions that are made by futurologists, scientists, people who actually are not, um, who are living with these developments on a daily basis and it's their job to, to make predictions like this. And I actually have a one prediction for you and I wonder how would you, Jesse, relate to this prediction and what do you think a designer could offer in times like that? And Marta, I'm just curious about your opinion. So the prediction comes from a guy called Vladislav 
Birukov. I guess he's Russian or of some sort of origin. And he's a head of customer social media at Kaspersky Lab. And this is what he said about year 2050. So it's in how many? Uh, 31 years? That's right? Mm -hmm. Please tell me I do the right mathematics. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's only 30 years. And this is what he perceives the world will be. Most people don't waste any more time on traffic on their way to and from work. There's no point in spending the whole day in the office. Besides, not many people have an actual office anymore more, or a full-time job. The job market has significantly changed and many jobs have disappeared. Robot, robot cleaners are sweeping streets working 24-7. Car sharing and self-driving cars have replaced taxi and truck drivers. And there are no police officers monitoring roads. Robots always follow rules and there are cameras at every corner anyway. Shops don't need as many cashiers, and the same goes for schools and teachers. Restaurants do perfectly without live waiters. People who no longer have a job have a choice. They can receive basic income that provides for a very humble lifestyle, or they can learn to do something that hasn't been automated yet. But the competition for the remaining job is high. Well-qualified work requires constant learning and not everyone can do it. Demonstrations and protests of people who have nothing to do become an everyday occurrence. So this is an actual pro prediction, not uh, like, a, I would say, a medium or psychic or whatever. It's a it's a guy who is sitting in those things. And he thinks that this is the world will look like this in 2050. What do you think about a world like this? I think uh, the okay, guy first from... of all, do you think it's a, it, it can actually happen? Mm -hmm. I think the guy from Kaspersky hasn't been to China yet, because half of the things he mentioned are already happening in China. Uh, robot cleaner cleaners, robot teachers, very normal uh, automated cars as well. Maybe not all consumer level yet, but the development is getting there very fast. And China is developing very fast mm -hmm. in that direction. I can say it because I was in China last year and I almost touched the development. So mm -hmm. when I came back, it really felt like I was coming back to on time, on, on the past, or to some very small village that <laughs> didn't want to to be very open to technology. But China is is taking the lead. So so what's happening? Have you had a chance to experience uh, what people are doing? Like, are they working? Uh, what's how how does it look like? Because here the the basic premise of this uh, prediction is mm -hmm. that we humans. Uh, or actually our skills on the labor market will become obsolete. Mm -hmm. There will be very few things that we will be able to do better, faster or less accurate than uh, or more accurate than robots. So basically, mm -hmm. it, it shows that many of us will go on universal low income. So we will be just paid to survive and we will have not much to do. Um, so I was wondering if, if uh, you could see any of this prediction happening there. Mm, definitely. Uh, faster than 2050. Mm -hmm. And the uh, universal basic income is a theory that was born in uh, Silicon Valley not so many years ago. But from what I've read, it was born by uh, or from the uh, owners of of uh, the or the heads of the technological solutions that we have, mm -hmm. you know, like Amazon, etc., Jeff Bezos, uh, and it was born because of the guilt they are feeling for earning 85% of the wor world's health, um, and so maybe maybe they would feel less guilty if they distribute this wealth equally to everyone, so that we could all have. Uh, a minimal income and we could survive mm -hmm. uh, and we could choose to go to work uh, fueled by our passion instead of our survival instinct instincts okay but the thing is that what uh, what kind of jobs 
will be left for us, you know, because mm-hmm. I might have a passion for sitting at the computer and mathematics. There are people passionate about mathematics, mm-hmm. but no one will hire you because you simply are not good enough. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess my first question would be, uh, first to you, Jesse, what skills that a user experience designer possess mm-hmm. could be still relevant in a world like this? What, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the main and first skill of a user experience designer is empathy. And empathy is one of those universal values that humans possess to a lesser or a higher degree that depends on the person. Um, Usually people with higher empathy levels have higher chances of becoming user experience designers. And it's because the whole process of creating a digital solution or any solution starts with empathy, uh, putting yourself in the other person's shoes and understanding what that person you will create the solution for is going through during their day, during their challenge, specific challenge. So it all starts with empathy and understanding. And after that, you try to define what problems this person from the research that you made, what problems this person is facing, exactly one, two, three problems. And after you define, you try to ideate some solutions. Mm-hmm. You get ideas. What could be, how could I solve this solution? This, so basically this your statement is that user experience designer job is not something that is chained to the computer and that's the only skill set you develop, mm-hmm. uh, but it's actually something deeper. Uh, it is definitely mm-hmm. deeper. And, because mm-hmm. I don't really think that many people perceive it in this way. I think when you think about a website design or anything that's digital, mm-hmm. you see it very much in this narrow sense of doing stuff at the computer. And, mm-hmm. you know, if a robot can do it, then uh, then you don't have a job. But I guess we are still talking about the world where uh, where there is no artificial intelligence on the level of empathy or emotional Mm. uh, intelligence yet, let's say. That's true. Yeah, but uh, the second question would be, if you know this this prediction, right, what are the skills you think our children or the next generation should focus on um, to, to actually to yeah, what what could we advise them to study or to get better at? Do you have any ideas? I don't really know. No? No. I don't know what our children should study. I mean, I have, uh, I have uh, some thoughts about uh, being human and I have mm-hmm. some thoughts about human connection. And actually, from this uh, description that you have uh, mm-hmm. read, I actually think that jobs like waiter will actually be extremely needed because Mm -hmm. I think people will not want to come to restaurants and eat there if they are just served by a robot, then they can just stay home. So if we actually have a concept of a restaurant, I think that waiters will actually be super popular jobs because people will not have so much connection. They will not be going to the offices anymore that I believe in. So Mm -hmm. I actually think that this kind of jobs like waiters will be super uh, super needed and super human and super, yeah, because I think we will be feeling, we are already getting there, feeling so disconnected. The mm-hmm. new generations who are raised in that era of just connecting through the phone and computer and so on, they are already experiencing this and those basic human skills like talking, conversation, you know, connecting on a deeper level, they are already declining. So I actually think that those are the things that will be super on spot because, yeah. Can I ask you a question? What if uh, your robot waiter looks like a human, behaves like a human, speaks like a human, you can't tell that he's a robot? What if the development gets to that point where you cannot distinguish between robots and humans? I would say that it will still be valid to some degree unless we all become this way. Because right now, for example, if I talk to people who are not 
in the deeper connection with themselves, I don't enjoy that conversation with them. So actually, even now for me talking to humans, I'm looking for those humans who are actually looking deeper and who have that empathy, who have that connection, who want to dig into, you know, deeper stuff. So unless we as human race evolve into that level where we are like that, that we are just almost like robots, you know, mm -hmm. that we are mm -hmm. all about some skills and uh, I don't know, then maybe that could work. But if we are and I see people looking and missing the connection. I see people mm. reaching out for it. I see people, you know, like, how can I come back to it? So, yeah. That's very, I, yeah, I, I think that, uh, Marta, you touched, uh, sorry for, for disturbing, but I think you touched up upon something very, very important. And that is that uh, obsession or fixation of human beings on authenticity. And I just cannot f stop thinking about the Blade Runner, a movie that is actually about a world of the future when we have the replicants who are androids that are acting, looking the same as humans. You cannot tell them apart, yet people want to know who is the real one and who is the robot one because I don't want to have, we have something like this, we, we do. Uh, so Marta, that is a very interesting speech because these predictions, they don't really take into the consideration this, I would say, um, human uh, craving for authenticity, for human values, for, for those. They are very, I would say, strict to the point about the development. And uh, there is this kind of a I can see myself definitely as the old fashioned person who will cook my own food. I can see that. I, I don't really think I would take advantage of that many technological developments because I enjoy doing some things, you know, by myself. So uh, I think that this is uh, just a vision of the world that is there, but it will not be relevant for as many people as scientists or futurologists, futuro <laughs> futuro future, futurologists are seeing. Mm -hmm. um, I have another, let's say, scenario for you, which is maybe a little bit more scary, but um, I would say possible. And I think it's worth to consider. So there are actually some predictions that uh, we will be hit by a solar flare. And if you don't know what solar flare is, it's a flare from the sun that has some sort of a radiation uh, that could potentially, let's say, fry our satellites, fry our GPS systems and actually fly, fry all the electronics. So uh, we had already one huge thing like this. I think it was in 19th century. And because it was in 19th century and the only thing we had was telegraphs, it was not such a big consequence, although all the telegraphs were fried. And now we almost were hit by a solar flare like this in 2012, but we missed it by a couple of weeks. Whew. But some of the predictions by actually scientists are saying that very soon we will be hit by a solar flare like this, which would mean that it, it doesn't mean the end of the world. It doesn't mean a catastrophe in a natural sense. It means that we will be deprived of our technological development, meaning without no electricity and no electronical devices, we are back to the dark ages. And it doesn't uh, look like we would recover very fast. It could take weeks, months or even years, depending on the entire situation. So my question is, what user designer skills, Jesse, would you be able to use in a world where you basically cannot design on computer and there is actually maybe not even that many businesses or, or people to design for because mm -hmm. we are really, really back to the square one. Mm -hmm. Then uh, I, as a user experience designer, would leave my head as a, my user experience mm -hmm. designer head and go down to uh, the roots, <laughs> as as we said in the beginning of this show. And <laughs> uh, sometimes I've heard people say that uh, the, the smartest people are lazy people <laughs> because yeah. they find the shortest solution or the solution that takes shortest time um, to be implemented. Mm -hmm. 
So what I would do is find out the way to create alien contact as soon as possible so that we could... Re really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not only restore uh, our technology, but uh, have the baseline of an even more developed technology. Okay. And that's like a chance to start over. The apocalypse uh -huh. is a signal of change and it's a signal of starting over uh -huh. better. So yeah. maybe then we'll have universal basic income, we'll have better technology and we'll uh, um, focus on doing the things that matter most to us, which is purposeful things. Yeah, I um, guess I guess I, I see your point. Uh, what would pose a bit of a challenge for me is the transition period. So from mm -hmm. the moment where we are so used to using what we and we are so dependent on it. Many of us, we don't understand how those things work. You know, mm -hmm. if someone would tell you, okay, so now you have to go and fix the generator. So it will, I would be <laughs> like, excuse me, what? Yeah. Uh, so basically, um, I, I wonder uh, how this period would look like. And what do you think girls would be the most universal needed skills? Of, I will say, Besides the survival skills, which is which is to hunt, to find uh, water, um, to find shelter, because those are the hardcore survival skills. What do you think? What soft skills we should be developing in order to survive in times like that? Well, that just immediately makes me think of the Walking Dead series, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, because that's where it really happens, mm -hmm. you know, the apocalypse. I watched only a couple of episodes and Marta, you never saw it? No. <laughs> so, so tell us quickly what those skills could be. Yeah, quickly, except for the survival skills, which mm -hmm. are the essential, essential to survive. Uh, and in the movie, we can see that they become very essential when humans are now treating each other as hunting animals okay. and trying to survive to get to the food first. Mm -hmm. and killing each other in order to survive. And that's where the human values have faded because the survival has come on top of it. Um, but the, the values that you can see in the movie developing as well is the need for uh, trust, for, for a belief, the need to believe that something better will happen. So in the movie, at least, there is mm -hmm. a leader who always makes them believe that we will reach a point where everything will be better. And that's, for me, the value of believing is one of the most important values to start establishing something new. The belief that you will reach your uh, whatever you're thinking, you're dreaming about, um, as long as you believe and work hard towards it. Okay, so we basically need the hope givers. Mm-hmm. Okay, Marta, what do you think about that? We actually have two minutes and then we are going out. So Marta, what do you think about this? Hope givers and the, the, the skill set necessary. Yeah, I was actually thinking about hope and I was thinking about a book Storyteller. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was about people in the concentration camp in Auschwitz mm -hmm. and the lady that was able to tell the story that was lifting the hearts of people who were basically set out for death. That was beautiful because what she was giving them was hope and love and something to survive on in these, you know, dramatic times. I actually wonder if this is maybe that skill that uh, that we humans possess that is very unique to us you know hope lifting others up love and compassion i know that i sound like a marshmallow who just got into <laughs> the microphone but uh, maybe that's maybe that's the key maybe that's it so i think we will have to slowly say goodbye to our listeners today and this is such a pity because we had so much more and i wanted to hear so much more from you jesse but tell us tell our listeners when where they can find you actually we will have all the information at our website the five options.com so guys you can always find the episode there with all the links but jesse how can we find you so you can find me in all social media Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, everything with my name, Jensi Larechi. Please find it written because it's very complicated to spell it. <laughs> uh, I have my website, www.jensilarechi.dk. You can find 
all information about me there. And in my free time, I do uh, my podcast, Digital Nordic Creatives, which you can also find online. And uh, I'm also, a, I like to call myself a community builder. And the community I'm talking about is ladies that you are Yes, good sound. You've got five options radio show, where we hopefully convinced you that five indeed is a magic number. Oh, that was the one that we missed in the beginning? Yes. But okay. if that's the To catch up with our previous programs, apply to be our guest, send us your life challenge, or just to see how do we really look like, visit our website, the5options.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will come for more. That's all, folks!